you know, over the um, over the last few months, we've been looking at and talking about and unpacking really just one single word, and it's the word that's going to pop up on on the screen behind me. Um, it's the word uh, freedom. You know, and, it, and it's an amazing word because it's a word that is attractive, and it's a word that I think we all connect with. You know, there is something in each and every one of us that longs for freedom. You know, something in us that knows that we were really we were created to be free. And and so we hate the feeling of being boxed in. We hate the feeling of being trapped or manipulated or controlled, whether that be by other people or by circumstances or by our own struggles with with um, habitual bad behavior that we could cycle through and we struggle to break free from, or habitual patterns of thinking which are damaging to us that we, we battle with and we struggle to break free from. You know, we, we hate the feeling of, of guilt or shame over the wrong things that we, we've done and the times when we've compromised or we've caused someone hurt. And we long for freedom from it, don't we? There's something in us which says it wasn't meant to be this way. In one way or another, our greatest need is freedom. And I think freedom is also an amazing word because just as this one word sums up Something in each of us that we all long for. So this one word sums up so much of God's heart. So much of what he's about. And what he desires for us to experience in our lives. You know, Paul writes in Galatians 5 verse 1 that it is for freedom. So that we would know freedom. So that we would experience freedom. That that's the purpose of God. That's the whole reason that Jesus sets us free. So that we could experience and we could know freedom in our lives. And so because of that, God through Jesus acted to meet our greatest need. And to set us free. To set us free from guilt and shame. To set us free from all of the things um, that stop us from experiencing life as he intended it for us. And, And if that's not enough, then God goes on to act through his Holy Spirit. To empower us and to enable us to be people who live free. Free from all of the internal turmoil and all of the doubts and the struggles and the questions and the insecurities. Free from the habitual sins and cycles of bad behavior or wrong thinking. Free from past hurts and bitterness and anger. You know, God's heart is for us to be set free. And God's heart is for us to then go on living free. And then he goes even further and invites us to to join with him in his mission, to join with him and cooperate with him in his purpose and to be a people who bring freedom like he does. The people who see others come to know the freedom that we now enjoy. And that's amazing, isn't it? And I don't know what your experience is of God or your experiences of church, but I want to tell you this morning that freedom is God's heart for you. And freedom is what following Jesus is all about. You might have a very different idea of what it means to be a Christian, but I want to tell you, freedom is what following Jesus is all about. And that's something which is worth celebrating. And so this morning, though, you know, we're not just going to be talking about freedom and all that God promises and makes available to us. You know, I had something which was on my heart to, to share, a message to bring this morning. But as I sat down earlier in the week to, to, to pray and to kind of begin to, to process and think about this Sunday, I felt God just say to me, stop. Um, and it wasn't his plan. It wasn't the timing that he had. And I, I knew we were going to have Linda here and that she was going to be sharing last night. And I just felt God put it on my heart to make space for Linda to share. 
Um, and so I called Linda and we chatted things through and she very graciously said, yes, she would, she would love to, to share, which is fantastic. And, and I'm really excited about Linda being able to come and share because as she comes to share, this isn't somebody who's just going to be talking about the idea of freedom. This is somebody who's going to be sharing their experience of God bringing freedom into their life and enabling her to bring freedom to others. Uh, and so I'm really excited because I think you know, so much of Linda's story sums up what is, was our great, is our greatest need and what's God's great purpose and, and how that's, that's happened for her and she's experienced that. So why don't we welcome Linda up, give her a round of applause and we, we'll pray for her and that would be fantastic. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for Linda. I want to thank you, Lord, for the journey that you have brought her on. I want to thank you, Lord, for, for how you bring good out of even the worst of situations and experiences and circumstances, and how you are, are moving through Linda now to, to bring good out of all of the pain that she's been through, to bring hope and life to others. And God, I pray that this morning, as Linda shares, that your spirit would be on the move, that you would anoint her and enable her to share as you, you, the words that you give her, but also that you would be on the move in the hearts and lives of each and every person here. That today would be a time where we don't just talk about freedom, but when eyes would be opened, hearts would be stirred, and people would be set free. Lord, that each and every person here would experience and step into something more of the freedom that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, church. Wow, it, you know, I'm just so blessed this morning. I ended up in a bit of a blubber earlier with Manda because I just love seeing people coming and coming into commitment, into membership because you belong to a bigger family and we belong to the family of God. God is our father. He is a good, good father. And um, I just want to welcome you. I want to thank you for coming. And I just want to bring greetings as well from Kingsgate in Peterborough, where I go. Um, wonderful church there. And uh, they send their greetings um, to you as well. I just love family. I really love family. And you're all family. You know, I might live in Peterborough, but we're all family. We all belong the same God. We all belong to the same Father, the Father that loves us and restores us and brings freedom where we didn't know freedom at all. And it's just, I'm just so blown away. So, yeah. Well, my name's Linda um, Huskisson. Um, I come from Peterborough. I'm married. And I'll just give you a little bit about myself. Shaz is at the back there. She's my right-hand lady in our um, charity called Cherished, um, which is a charity that we look after uh, women who have gone through domestic violence or any form of abuse whatsoever. And uh, we've had some real challenging times, but we've had some real blessings as well. And uh, I also... Um, work as well as a support worker within the um, hostels um, 
it's in the secular world, unfortunately, but praise God, I am a light in that place and bring hope to others when I can. And uh, I work with people that have gone through drug addiction, mental health issues, um, alcohol, anything that, have, you know, have just made them not very good and their their lives are a real mess. So I really do enjoy my work there. I'm also a trustee for uh, Hope Into Action, which is a charity um, that enables churches to actually um, support and love people that have gone through real bad situations, whether they're been in prison or homeless or any of those things. And we, we come together. Our church have actually got two houses with them. We house men and we, we've got one house for men and one house for women. And it's just such an honor to just be able to come alongside them and let them know, you know, show them their true worth and being able to see lives transformed by the love of Jesus. And, um, I, I just love it. It's it's just amazing. And I'm also a leader with Celebrate Recovery. I've been doing that now for 12 years. And um, it's just amazing just to see how God just really moves in people's lives. And um, they can get over those issues that have been so heavy in the past for them, where there's unforgiveness and all that sort of thing. So it's it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. Jeremiah um, 29 verses 11 to 14 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Then you will call upon my name and come and pray with me and I will hear you and you will seek me and you will find me. That's a promise from God. When you search me with your whole heart, I will be found for you by you and I will bring you back from captivity. You know, sometimes this can take be taken out of context. Notice that God says, I know the plans I have for you, not the plans you have for me, and I will let you prosper, seeking your own gain. Nah, it's, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's not centered around us, but it's centered around God himself. He wants plans. He wants to see his plans unfold in our lives, and that is really, really good. I'm really pleased. Praise God for that. I don't know about you, but I already screwed up my own plans a long time ago. That's why I needed a savior. (laughs) And it is centered around God and his plans. You know, at the time that this was written, Israel was actually in exile. And they had fallen away from God and gone their own way. God was talking to a nation who had fallen away from him, running away and doing their own thing. Yet he was willing to bring them back from captivity if they would turn back to him and seek him and pray to him. That's how God is. He's a loving God and he's always merciful. And he's just an amazing, amazing God. I love these verses. And although God was talking to Israel at the time, he also speaks to us as individuals today and to the nations. 
the promise is still there. These words bring us hope when we read them. This hope that I am talking about isn't any old hope. Oh, I hope it's not raining in the morning or... In my case, I hope I've not burnt the food again. My husband's really gracious and he sits there and eats it anyway. And he says, oh, sometimes he actually says, oh, I enjoyed that. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm not a great cook. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a hope from God himself. Father God himself. It's a supernatural hope, a hope that has the power to change our lives, a hope of eternal life with a Father God that loves us, and that hope we find is in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus declared it himself, and we can see this in John uh, chapter 14, verse 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. For you guys that that have that have taken up membership today, you know, I just sat there crying. I've just loved it um, because it's a sense of belonging. It's it, you're into a new family. You've got a whole family ahead of you that will come alongside you and just encourage you and be with you uh, through the good and through the bad. And I just think that is so, so amazing. And for you guys that have just been married a year, praise God. You know, what man puts together, no man can separate. What God puts together, no man can separate. And I pray that over your lives, that God will just really cause you to be so united and just bless you in your marriage. So praise God. Our young folks here, you know, it's lovely to see them. God has a plan for your lives. He has a plan for each and every one of you. God will unfold his plan in your life as you grow up and as you come to know him more and more and more. Everybody God has a plan for your life. He has a plan to prosper you and to not to harm you. Every single one of us here today, he has a hope and a future for every single one of us. And I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. You know, God, God, the great I am, the one that placed the stars in the sky and the moon and the sun, yet he will just prosper us and love us, have mercy on us and embrace us. That's what I love about God. He chooses to rescue his people. That just blows my mind. And I can feel David's heart when he wrote out Psalm 8, which is a beautiful, beautiful psalm. But there's a part of it that says, When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? For I have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. It really blows my mind. I believe David was totally blown away as well as he was writing this as it is a psalm of exaltation. What have we done to deserve it? Nothing. 
just like that song said. We didn't deserve it, but God's grace is the one that brought us here. Be encouraged. There's no accident why you're here today. You have a divine appointment. Those people, you, you guys have got a divine appointment with Jesus here today. That's amazing. Life can throw some really cruel blows. And you know, um, and I used to be on my guard all the time, all the time. I would tell myself, no one will ever hurt me. I will never let anybody treat me like that again. And I was building up walls around my life and started to become a prisoner because I couldn't get over those walls. And I never trusted anybody. I was suspicious about absolutely everyone. And I didn't really have any friends. And my relationship with my mum and dad was tattered because of the poor choices I made. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I was groomed into prostitution and forced onto the streets. I've been abused over and over and over again. I spent 11 months of Hol- in Holloway Prison for importing cannabis from um, Amsterdam to England. And I gave up hope of ever finding peace and freedom in my life. I was an absolute mess. I became an alcoholic through trying to keep warm when I was uh, when I became homeless after running away from my abusive husband that had left me on the lounge floor for dead just by pouring a, a, a Valium tablets down my throat and knocking me out. And that was just over uh, asking him if he could make me a cup of tea. Leaving my, child, my two children with my mother-in-law, I had to do a runner to keep safe, only to lose them later on in the care system. I lost my parents at a young age, At 37, my mum died, and at 41, my father died, and leaving me and my three brothers behind. So it wasn't a very good time. I became a drug addict when I was forced onto the streets of prostitution. I did it for five years. I was a drug addict for five years, and I was, like I said yesterday, £150 a day habit was what I had which was ridiculous. I was ashamed of what I'd become. I couldn't find a way out. I got through each day by snorting, by shooting heroin and snorting up cocaine or speed and then taking sleeping tablets to be able to sleep. I tried to run away. On each occasion, I was fed back to my pimp and I was beaten for trying to leave. In March 1986, I was in hospital, recovering from an operation to remove my spleen after being beaten after running away. The police had to sign the consent form from the operation for the operation, otherwise I would have died. Um, there was nobody there else there to sign it, so they obviously did, and I thank God for that, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Although they asked questions as to how and, and you know, who done it, the police, I wouldn't say a word to anybody. I was too scared of grasping anybody up. It wasn't the done thing. You don't grasp people up. And no matter what happened. But besides that, I knew that even if I got him locked up, I would have ended up dead by the people that he was uh, with. So I knew that uh, it wouldn't be a good thing for me. I gave up on my life 
And I asked a, a friend of mine when I was in hospital to bring me a half a bottle of vodka and whilst I, whilst I was in hospital, and I stashed the tablets that I was given by the nurses and everything. I used to stash them and hide them in my wash basket in a little bag. I was ready to take those tablets that night and to end my life. I didn't want to live anymore, and I knew I had enough to be able to do it. I was ready to take my life. I had nothing to live for, or so I thought. But God had a plan for me that day. He planned, his plan was to come and to rescue me. He sent two women to visit me in a hospital. And I had met them briefly before. But when I was working on the streets, um, you know, on the day that I'd actually met them, they told me Jesus loved me and I totally freaked out. I was like, what? You know, I'm a prostitute. I naturally freaked out and tried to get rid of them, but in a nice way. I pointed to the house where I was living and I said to them, when the red light's out, I'm not working, come and see me then. And they they said, okay, and, and they disappeared. And I thought, great, I've got rid of them. How wrong was I? <laughs> Here they were, back at the hospital, with a pot plant in their hand and a smile on their face. And they came up to me and went, Hi, Linda, it's really good to see you again. You didn't have time for us before, but you've got all the time in the world now. I'm thinking, oh, so <laughs> help. You know, I had no place to hide, no place to run. So I took him to my bedside. It kind of puts Psalm 139 into perspective where it says in uh, 7 to 12, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. God knew my plan was to end my life that day and he came to rescue me through those women. He had sent them to tell me the good news of his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, his salvation through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross, the resurrection, Jesus conquering death, and sitting now at the right hand of Father God, interceding for each and every one of us. And that was an invitation I received in 1986. And I've never, ever looked back. Do you know, there was something, it wasn't what the women were sharing with me, but do you know what it was? It was the passion that they had in their voices that I was really, really drawn to. They were sold out for Jesus. They really, really were. And I didn't know what was going on, but I do know that there, it was like a magnet that was pulling me towards God and to choosing Jesus to come into my life. I wanted what they had. I'd never experienced it. I didn't know anything about it. It was totally alien to me, but I wanted what they had, and that was Jesus. So Father God was the one there that day that was inviting me to a new life with Jesus. 
and I accepted that invitation and my visitors led me into a prayer to give my life to Jesus. I was soon to learn that my life would never, ever, ever be the same again. When my visitors left, I couldn't help but wonder what on earth had just happened. What did this mean? What did it mean? What did, did God really hear my prayer? Did I really have a new life? I can remember staring at the pot plant that they had bought me and there was a beautiful, beautiful yellow flower that stood out amongst the rest. And I picked that up. I picked it out from there and I went down to the chapel for the very first time. And I was able to just place that. I just placed it at the altar And I was like, God, if you're really, really real, if you're there, I need you and I need a sign from you to say that this is all real because it's just totally blown my mind. And that's what happened. God gave me, I opened the Bible and I sat there and I read those words, those words, Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That was a sign. That was God speaking to me as it was. It was real. I was desperate and called upon him. And again, I heard he heard me. And it was just absolutely beautiful. And for the first, the first time in ever, 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 I found freedom, not outside, but in here. I just knew there was a peace about me that I could not explain at that point. So God had a plan for me. And over the years, I see his, his plan unfold in my life through the power and love, or the power of his love and the Holy Spirit. The first plan was to rescue me. The next plan was to reveal his truth in our lives, and that's what he does in each and every one of us. We learn about this truth when we get into his word. It is written in Romans verses at verse 31 that God, that God is for me and he's not against me. And he who started a good work in us is able to complete it. And we can stand upon this truth. I learned about God's grace and that we don't need to strive to gain favor from God because there's nothing that we can do that will make him love us any less or any more. God is love and he's, he's just so graceful and he's, he is love. He is the expression of love. When we read God's word, we see the love of God revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. We read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and see, you know, the, the story of Jesus unfold where he went out doing good. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was casting out demons, ministering to the poor and needy, had conflict with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He was tempted, yet he didn't sin. He showed compassion and mercy everywhere he went. Jesus is the reflection of God's love for us. I love how Paul describes this love in Romans 8. 
It says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any created thing can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ our Lord Jesus. That is what it is. That I love the way that is demonstrated. I'm so glad that even if I mess up, nothing can separate me from his love. If I fall away, he will find me. Why? Because nothing can separate me from his love. He loves us because he loves us because he loves us. He's in the business of healing and restoring even today. His love knows no end. Many of us get stuck in in unforgiveness, and that was a big issue for me too. Forgiveness was a huge issue for me, but I knew I had to do it. Why? Because the Bible says, forgive as quickly as you are forgiven. Do you know, at first, at the very beginning, I, I thought, forgive? Have you got any idea, Lord, what he did to me or what they did to me? I nearly died. Why should I forgive? It's not me to forgive. It's them to forgive. How dare you ask me to forgive? And I really, really had a big issue with this. But you know what God said to me after I finished beating myself up over it? Look what it's doing to you. Look what it's doing to you. You're angry. You're frustrated. All those things. And he said, and the old fears and the bitterness is eating you up inside like a cancer. And now it's affecting you on the outside. It affects our relationships with other people. It affects, it affected my relationship with my husband as well and with others. So I had to forgive. And you know what? God was gracious. God was loving. And God was kind, and he helped me and brought me through that forgiveness. God was right. It was affecting me, and I wanted it all to change. I didn't want that anymore. I couldn't do it in my own strength, but I humbled myself before him, and I chose to forgive, to be willing to forgive. I asked God to help me to be willing to forgive my ex-husband and my ex and my ex-pimp. It was a process I was willing to get willing for God to take charge of. I am so grateful that God's plans are bigger than my plans. And when we surrender to him, he really does restore and brings us back so much more. Remember when I told you that I'd lost my children in the care system? Well, I have my children back now. And I've been, they have been there for the last 20 years. And not only have they brought, as God brought them back to me and my husband, but we have been blessed and celebrated our 14th grandchild last week. When I prayed for a good husband, He gave me the best. This year, Ricky and I celebrate 28 years of marriage this year. 
And I love him more now than I've ever loved him, even from the very beginning when we first got married. So there's hope, girls and boys. Really, there is. God's plan continued to unfold, and my children found their dad. When they found him, he had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and didn't have very long to live. To be honest, it didn't really bother me. I didn't... (laughs) I didn't have any feelings, so it didn't really bother me, and I wasn't upset or anything like that. But my heart did go out to my kids because they just found their father. Just before he died, my my son had asked me if I could go and see Terry at the hospice. He was staying in Oxford, and I didn't want to really go, but I felt that I needed to go for for my son. And I felt God was telling me, it's okay, it's safe. But I still felt very uneasy about going. You know, when I actually got there, um, and he was in a hospice, he was in a room on his own. And uh, me and my, my son walked in there, and there was quite a few other people there as well, people I didn't know, and plus his brothers as well, there was, it was there. And it was just seeing him. I mean, this guy was a six-foot three guy uh, when I first met him um, and uh, big (laughs) and scary um, as I got to know later on but there I was I saw this guy he looked ill he looked pathetic in the bed and you know what I had all this rubbish that just literally rose up in me and I didn't know what was going on and I was like and I had to run out I really I you know I wanted to put the pillow over his head and end his miserable life that's the truth you know that is the truth that's how I felt and then I started thinking god have I really forgiven him or what, what's going on? What, why? I can't do this. I ran out and I went down to the chapel and I had to stay there. And I was like, God, I can't do this. This is too hard. I can't. I can't do this. And then my son came into the room and he said, Mommy, you're all right. And then we went back out. And do you know what? I don't know about you, but it was like Jesus had taken. That's the only way I can describe it is Jesus had taken my whole body and used, he he was there and I wasn't. And I'd gone back in that room and I'd gone to his side, the side of his bed and I was praying for him. And as I was praying for him, I was stroking his head and I'm thinking, I'm praying for him and I'm thinking, is this really happening? Do you know what I mean? And he was an absolute atheist when I first met him. And I had a cross on my uh, that I was wearing on my on my on my neck, and literally he grabbed hold of it, and he was. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to tear it off my my neck. And uh, so I was like this, and I was going down so he didn't break it. And he kissed the cross, and he looked at me, and he winked, and then he fell asleep. The next day, he died. Do you know what? I really do believe that Jesus met him that day. He didn't see me. He saw Jesus. And do you know what Jesus said to me? He said, I needed, not me, Jesus needed to visit him that day to speak to him. And so I do believe that he has gone to be with the Father right in those last hours. So I'm really thankful that, you know, 
I'm hoping that he has been saved. My son and my daughter Georgie found it really hard and they questioned why God would have taken their father after searching for him for such a long time. All I could do was encourage them and to show them that their, although their, that their time with their dad was brief, they had, they had time with him. If it had been any later, they would have probably seen his grave and his grave only. So to remember those times that they did have with him and to cherish those times that they had with him. God granted them that short time together so that they could make their peace with each other. And God was unfolding the plans even in the lives of my children. God wants us to be set free to live the life that he has planned for each and every one of us. God wants to turn our tragedies into a testimony, a testimony that we can share with others so that they too can find hope in Jesus. We are that light. God wants us to change, wants to change us from the inside out so that we can be free, totally free to shine in, in, to shine in our own lives and to shine for Jesus. 31 years later, and God is still unfolding his plan over my life as he continues to unfold the plans over your lives too. He is in control. Like I said, he who started a good work in you is able to complete it. Do I have it all together? No, not by far. I will continue to make mistakes. There will be challenges in the future. Sometimes we can be persecuted for the gospel. I recently actually got a written warning in in, in my workplace, and that was literally because I prayed for a resident, and and it was reported. Do you know, and I was so angry. When it came to the disciplinary, I got mad. I couldn't believe the letter that I'd received and the decision to give me a written warning for praying in my workplace. I didn't even have a a verbal warning. I went straight higher to a higher level to to a written warning. And I was like, really? And it's on my record for a year. I was so mad. I was going to give up my work. I felt disappointed. I was frustrated. I went to God and complained to him about it. And I felt God's heart, God say to my heart, Linda, get over it. (laughs) Get over it. You're not the first and you're not going to be the last. God's, you know, they, people have lost their jobs through it for the same thing, but you still have your job. I was still mad and gave myself a little bit of a pity party as well until I snapped out of it and thought, no, this is not going to affect me anymore. I can choose to live, let it get the better of, I can choose to let it get the better of me and affect my heart or, and affect my work and allow it uh, to affect my, my spirit, affect my mood at home and affect everybody else. Or I can just get over it as God says and choose to get on with it and praise God anyway that I didn't lose my job and actually praise God that he has it recorded that I'm a prayer. I pray. So I'm quite happy with that now. (laughs) So even so, praise God that it wasn't in the days of Paul because Paul got imprisoned 
Paul was always in prison. So thank God that I'm not living in them days because I probably would have been in prison too. Today, Sharon and I run, like I said, we run a support group for women. We've been going now for 18 months and have several women come through the doors who have been so broken and so downtrodden. But we have been able to minister and support those ladies. And little by little, we see them rise up before our very eyes and start to support each other. And we just love it when they pray for one another and sharing a word of encouragement and just loving one another. It's just wonderful. One lady used to sit on the sofa, which was right by the wall. And she would have her back there against the wall so that she could see who was coming in the room. Do you know now, 18 months later, that girl sits absolutely anywhere she wants to, doesn't even flinch when somebody comes through the door. And I think it's just absolutely amazing. That is a, that is a breakthrough for her. God is healing her from the inside out. Other ladies have shared that uh, Cherished is about family. You know, we're talking about family here today. And they said they feel that Cherished is a family that they belong to and look forward to coming to every single week. Just a couple of days, uh, a few days ago, I saw one of our ladies in a coffee shop whilst I was in town. I hadn't seen her for a few weeks and was so pleased to see her and give her a hug. And she told me how we, I told her how we missed her. She started to cry and I felt really bad and I was like, oh, I didn't mean to make you cry. What's wrong? And she said, nobody's ever told me that they've missed me before. That really got to me. You know, nobody told her that they'd missed her. And that to me was a wow. You know, it really touched my heart and makes me want to love her even more. Why? Because Jesus loves her himself. We recently had a baptism and I felt like a proud mum. Seeing one of our ladies at Cherish get baptised, it just touches my heart so to see the love of God, God unfold in these ladies' lives and making a complete difference. I remember going to a soaking session and uh, it was what it was. We were having a three-day fast and after the fast, we was I had a soaking session and, uh, you know, and I was just laid there and I was just, just talking to the Lord and thinking, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from me? And I had a picture and this picture was... Um, It was the cross, but Jesus wasn't on that cross, and it had love written over the top of it. And there was a a dove as well, which represents the Holy Spirit. And I saw a hand, and it was the hand of God. And in this hand was a heart. Now, this heart was cracked you could see all the cracks. It was almost like, you know how a descaler, when you got the, the scale in a kettle, it was almost like that. Hard, hard and horrible. And then I saw this light come down from this cross that said love and the, the Holy Spirit of God right over the top of it. And I saw the hand again. And as I saw that hand and I started weeping, 
I saw the hand, that the heart become a heart of flesh that was pumping lovely, you know. And that's what God does. He changes our hearts. We've become, when we've been hard and we've been broken and all those things, God rescues us. He changes our hearts and he gives us a heart of flesh. And I just absolutely love that um, picture that God was able to give us. And I believe that that may be here for somebody today. You know, you're finding it difficult. Maybe there's something that's going on in your life and your heart's becoming hard. I don't know. But let me tell you, God knows. And he will, if you trust him, he will give you a heart of flesh. He will take that hurt away if you just trust him. Wow. I just want you to be encouraged by the promises of God because promise, God's promises, every single promise in the Bible is for you and it is for me. We have a father that loves us so, so much. His promises are always true. And when we invite Jesus into our lives, he said that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He loves us with an everlasting love. And his plan, that is his plan in our lives, that we are, we are loved by him and he loves, we love him and he loves us. So I want to thank you for inviting me and listening today. And may God bless you. But as we close, I just want to um, let you watch something that is really close to my heart. And it just it's about Jesus, the, the love letter of God. And I just want to share that with you. Because that's for each and every one of us in this room today. Thank you. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me, you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb. 
and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart. You will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb. I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my Son Jesus, you receive me. Nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is: Will you be my child?